Well, hello, Madison Church. My name is Jason, and I'm a part of the staff here, and I love this community, even as we meet virtually online in the month of August. Can't wait to see you in person uh, in September as we open up the doors of the church. Well, for the last several weeks, my son Mike and I have been on a Star Wars marathon. We've done this about six times now where we start with Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Madness, and go all the way to Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. In fact, tonight we are finishing Episode 9, so it's been an awesome, awesome journey. It never gets old. In fact, there are many great scenes in Star Wars. You probably have your own uh, favorites, but my favorite, of course, is in The Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader is with Luke, and they're fighting, and Luke is just hanging on, and, and Darth Vader says these epic words, Luke, I am your father. Join me on the dark side, and together as father and son, we will rule the galaxy. And you see Luke there, and he's all confused, like, should I go to the dark side or not? And he's in just this torment, and you're saying to yourself, Luke, don't join him. There's another movie coming out. It's called The Return of the Jedi. It's better than this one, and everything works out just fine. And by the way, Luke, don't kiss your sister Leia. It's weird. There are so many good moments in Star Wars. You probably have your favorite. I have mine. The one thing I find fascinating about Star Wars is the mindset of the Jedi. Whether it's Luke or Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda, they are heroes. Make no doubt about it. They are heroes. They do heroic deeds. They save the galaxy time and time and time again. But what is most fascinating is the thing that they are most obsessed about. You see, they are not obsessed about being the hero of the story. No, as you follow each movie, the one thing that they put all their effort into is making apprentices. In fact, there's almost this competition as to who gets to apprentice whom. So so you have Obi-Wan apprenticing Anakin, which didn't work out too well. And then you have Yoda apprenticing Luke. And Luke, in, in the final episodes, apprenticing Rey. And on and on and on it goes. You see, the mindset of a Jedi is simply this. That the best thing they can pour their lives into is not by doing great things, but by developing great people. Not being the hero of the story, but being a hero maker. And now before you think this message is going to be all about Star Wars, as awesome as that would be, I actually do have a point. And it's this, that when it comes to the Christian life, we have to have a Jedi mindset. That the best thing we can do is not to do great things, but to develop great people. Or in the terms of the series we're in, that the one thing Jesus wants us to do is not be a hero, but be a hero maker. Your greatest legacy is not what you do, but who you develop, not the heroic acts you do, but the heroes you make. Jesus said as much, in fact, in his final words to his people, which are always the most important, somebody's last words, he said this, therefore go and do what? Great things. Go and be the hero of the story. No, look what he says, and make disciples of all nations. In other words, be a hero maker, develop people. The one thing I want you to focus on, Jesus is saying, the one thing I want you to obsess about is making disciples, of making heroes, of having apprentices. 
And, and literally that word disciple means follower or apprentice. You see, Jesus was the greatest Jedi of all time. He is the great Jedi. That's what he did. In fact, it's fascinating. It's absolutely mind-boggling that Jesus didn't actually spend most of his time doing great things, although we hear about the miracles, we read about all those things. No, what Jesus did the most was make heroes. He spent the majority of his time with his disciples, walking with them, having his life rub up against theirs, teaching them, developing them. His invitation to them was simply this, follow me. Let me pour myself into you so that you can do great things. And his goal was absolutely nuts. Don't miss this. This is absolutely fascinating. John 14, 12. You, You would almost not believe it's in the Bible, but it is. This is what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And don't miss this. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus' point in all this was saying this, I'm going to develop you, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to develop you, but you're going to see greater things than what I've done. Now, it's important to know what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying you're greater than him. He's God. Remember that. You're not. And he's also not saying that you're going to one-up him on the miracles he did. He walked on water, so you're going to run on water. He fed 5,000, so now you're going to do greater things than feed 50,000 miraculously. No, what he is saying is all tied up into the final phrase of that verse. He just simply states, I'm going to the Father. In other words, I'm not going to be here anymore, and so the way I'm going to see great things happen is to develop you, and then you develop others, and they develop others, and they develop others. So the thing that the way this would spread, his mission would spread, would be apprentices developing apprentices who develop apprentices. Heroes making heroes, making heroes, making heroes. And so what started with Jesus as one person spreads to dozens, which then spreads over years to hundreds, and then over time to thousands, and then to millions, and now in 2020 to billions to billions of Christians or little Christ now doing the work that Jesus started in every part of the globe, a far greater span than he could have done just all by himself. And so that's what he means when he says, you're going to do greater things than this. You're going to do greater things than me, not because you're greater than me, but because the system I have rolled out for you is one where person after person develops person after person, and this just keeps spreading and now it's all over the world. It's brilliant. Jesus is the ultimate Jedi. He's the ultimate hero maker. His plan for reaching the world is not by doing the work himself, but by developing people who do the work. And it's exactly what he asks us to do as well. So if you are a follower of Jesus, and I hope you are, and if not, I'm glad you're here listening. This is just good stuff, even if you're not a follower of Jesus. But his thing that he says when you sign up to be a follower of Jesus is that you aren't the hero, you are a hero maker. Because if you just focus on being a hero, on doing good things, that may last a few years, maybe if you're lucky, a couple decades. But if you know your legacy is who you develop, it will last for generation after generation after generation, and it will span a a far greater reach than you could ever imagine. But the question is how? How do we do this? How do we become a hero maker? Well, last week, Stephen talked about how we have to think like a hero maker. And this week, I want us to take one step further and begin to see like a hero maker. 
And there are many things we could say about this, but let me just mention two. The first is this, that if you're going to see like a hero maker, that when it comes to people, you have to call out the good instead of pointing out the bad. You have to call out the good, not just point out the bad. I want you to take a look at this picture on the screen and just look at it for a few seconds. And then in the chat section uh, of the online uh, portal that we have, I want you to write which word that you see. So go ahead, take a look at it. If you haven't started to write that, start to write down the word. Don't take too long. Just write the word that you see. Uh, out of curiosity, how many of you saw the word good? Some of you are very holy and pure, so you saw the word good. Another question, how many of you saw the word evil? Because it's in there. If you saw that, we'll pray for you. How many of you saw both good and evil? Both words. If that's you, I know you're lying right now. There's no way you saw both. So here's the point, and I actually do have one. When it comes to people, we often only see the bad. We often only see the evil. But God's saying, in the midst of that, there is also good waiting to be seen. And if you're like me, you think, okay, God, I know you want me to be a hero maker. I know you want me to develop people. But have you seen the people in my life? They're kind of all duds. I can't pour into them. It won't work. God, I, I know my colleague is right in front of me, but do you know how cynical she is? Or God, I know you want me to pour into that person in my small group, but he's really, like, seriously, socially awkward. Or, or God, I know this person is my neighbor and you've put me in her life strategically, but have you heard her story? It's kind of messed up. We only point out the bad. We miss the good. But God comes in and says, I I want you to look again. Take a look at them again, because where you only saw bad, where you only saw evil, there was actually good right there as well. You know, this is what Jesus did with his disciples, the people he developed. You know, one of the things we often think when it comes to the disciples is that they were the best of the best. They were the most spiritual of all. But actually, the opposite is true. You see, for Jewish boys like the 12 disciples, They had kind of this competition to see who could be the smartest and most religious. And and if they were seen as the smartest or most religious, they were chosen by a Jewish rabbi to be his disciple, to study with him, to follow him everywhere he went. But the 12 that Jesus chose were not chosen. In fact, they were the rejects. They weren't the best of the best. They were actually the worst of the worst. That's why they're back to fishing. They didn't make the cut of being an apprentice, of being a disciple. But Jesus comes in and he sees them. And he says, I know people have only seen the bad in you. They've only pointed out the bad, but I see the good. To Matthew, a tax collector who was despised by his fellow Jews, Jesus says, you know what? I know people see the bad in you because you're kind of robbing them and that's not a good thing to do. But I see the good in you. I see who you can be. To James and John, Andrew and Simon, who were destined for a life of fishing because they didn't make the cut as disciples of a rabbi, Jesus came to them and said, come, follow me, and I will help you fish for people. Not just real fish, but I'm going to make you fish for people. In other words, I see the good in you. And it wasn't just the 12 male disciples, it was females as well. To the woman caught in adultery, he 
didn't point out the bad. Instead, he told her, you know, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. In other words, I see the good in you. I'm going to call it out. Again and again, he wasn't pointing out the bad. He was calling out the good in people. He wasn't looking for the all-stars. He was looking for the broken, messed up people who still had good in them. And he was calling it out. And he asked us to do the same. This is what Apostle Paul got at when he wrote these words. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, don't miss this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. In other words, if you want to see people like Jesus does, don't see the old, don't see the evil, don't point out the bad, no, call out the good, call out the new creation. Two weeks ago, I I got a puppy. Now, I say it was for my eight-year-old daughter who was begging me for a puppy, but the reality is, it was mainly for me. And you can see her picture. She's really cute. I mean, her name's Summer. My daughter named her. And I know you're ooing and aahing right now about how cute she is and how adorable she is. And she is that, but she's also the devil. She thinks in the middle of the night. In fact, last night this happened, and I'm very tired right now. She, she thinks in the middle of the night it's time to play. She thinks that my shoes are her personal chew toys. She thinks that the new furniture in my house would look better if it was torn to shreds. And worst of all, she thinks my upstairs carpeted hallway is the place where she should go to the bathroom. So now my house constantly smells of dog waste and Febreze. It's the worst combination possible. And I get frustrated and all I want to do is point out the bad, tell her of how getting her was a mistake and how there are other owners who are out there that I could give her to and But if I did that, nothing would change. Dog owners, you know this. You can't just tell a dog how bad she is. They don't even understand you. They just do worse things after you tell them that. No, what do you have to do? You have to call out the good. When they finally do go to the bathroom in the yard, you have to give them a treat. When they are nice and cuddly, you have to tell them, good girl, this is what you should be doing. You call out the good. Now, here's my point, and I actually do have one. It's the same with people. If you want to see transformation happen in the people around you, don't point out the bad. Call out the good. Bosses, let me ask you a question. What do your employees first think when they get an email from you? Are they freaking out, wondering what bad thing you're pointing out to them? Here's a challenge for you this week. For every one message you sent to them about something they need to change or some bad thing that happened, have five good ones. Call out the good. Tell them how they're contributing to your organization and how your organization is better because they are in it. It will revolutionize your workspace. And parents, you may be wondering who you're supposed to develop, who you're supposed to make heroes of when you're so busy parenting Well, guess what? God has built in people for you to develop right in your house. They're called your kids. So let me ask you, are you pointing out the bad with them? Or are you calling out the good? What if your kids knew you as somebody who didn't always point out the bad, but primarily and almost all the time called out the good in them? Parents of little kids. I know you might think this is for a later time, but 
What if instead of just pointing out the bad of how they're not supposed to play with knives or drink the bleach, which of course you need to protect them from, but what if you just called out the good and told them how much you love them and how much you love their personality? Parents of teenagers and adult kids, I know your kids may say that they don't need you in your lives. I know they may even act like you don't exist. But I'm telling you right now, they are longing for you to affirm them. They are longing for you to call out the good, even if they don't tell you that. See, if you want to be a hero maker, you have to call out the good, not just point out the bad. And when you do that, when you see people in that way, you do the second thing with people. And it's this, you help people see things in themselves that they can't yet see. You help them see the person that God created them to be, even though they can't see it yet. You help them see things in themselves they can't yet see. And the way you do this is a, is a simple process. It's something we talk about around here at Madison Church all the time. You sit down with them and have what we call an I see in you discussion. So Paul did with his young apprentice, Timothy. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, before we go any further, notice how hero makers happen in Timothy's family, how his mom and grandma poured into each other and into him. Now listen to what Paul continues. He says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What Paul is saying is, is this, Timothy, Timmy, Tim, listen up. I, I see a raging flame inside of you. I see a leader inside of you. And I know you only see a spark, if that. I, I know you question yourself. I, I know at times you feel timid, but I see a man of power. I see a man who has gift of leadership. I see in you something you can't yet see in yourself. So here's what I'm going to do, Timmy. I'm going to pour gasoline all over that spark. I'm going to fan into flame the gift of God in you. I'm going to make you a hero. My guess is for you, I were to ask you if somebody ever had a discussion like that with you and I see in you talk with you, you would probably have one. You would tell me about a mentor or a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle who sat down with you one day and said, you know what, I see this in you. You can't see it yet in yourself, but I see this in you. And they fan into flame the gift of God in you. For me, it was a man named Oscar Moreu. Uh, Oscar is a senior pastor of Nairobi Chapel in Nairobi, Kenya. For three years, I served on his staff there. And I was a young pastor. I didn't know up from down. But early on in my time, he sat down with me in his office. And I can still remember it like it was yesterday. He said, Jason, I see in you the ability to be a lead pastor. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you do everything with me. Whatever meeting I'm in, you're in. Whatever sermon I write, you help me write. Whatever uh, travel I do, I want you traveling with me. And by the way, Jason, I get up at 3 a.m. to start reading the Bible, and you can too. I learned that I didn't have to do everything that he said. But everywhere he went, I went. He was essentially my rabbi. I was his apprentice. He was my Jedi master. 
And he developed in me something I couldn't see in myself. And it has continued even 18 years later. A couple of years ago, many of you know, my life flipped upside down. I thought I would never be a pastor again. And right after everything kind of came to a crashing halt, Oscar reached out to me. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to travel from Kenya and I'm going to spend a week with you. And so he came and he spent a week at my house. And I'll never forget, about a year and a half ago, he looked at me and he said, Jason, I know you think it's over for your life in ministry. But what I saw in you 18 years ago, I still see in you. You still have a calling on your life to be a pastor. So get up. I see that in you. Get up. I know you're ashamed of the things you did, but get up. I see this in you. I love what Andy Stanley writes when he says this, speak to someone's potential, not to their performance. Speak to what you see they could be, not to what they are now. Speak to somebody's potential, not their performance. That's what Jesus did. He had I see in you discussions all the time. One day he was calling his disciples and there was a man named Simon. Look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or literally the rock. Jesus is saying, I, I, I know you're Simon. I, I know people haven't believed in you. I know you didn't make the cut to be a, a disciple of a rabbi. I know that emotionally you're a little unhinged. In fact, honestly, let's be, let's be honest here, Simon. You're really unhinged sometimes. You're impulsive and you have all sorts of issues. You're emotionally unstable. And I know you don't think you are really anybody. I know you think you're just Simon. But I see in you, Peter. I see in you a strong, steady, solid rock that will help lead my church. In fact, you're gonna, you don't know this yet, but, but Simon, when you become Peter, you're going to launch a church planning movement that will revolutionize the history of the world. You are Simon, but I see in you, Peter. So let me ask you, who is your Simon? Who has God put in your life that you need to have an I see in you discussion with? Maybe they're in your house. Maybe they're in your workplace. Maybe they're in your neighborhood. Maybe they're in your small group. Who is the person you need to say, I know you see yourself as Simon, but I see a Peter in you. Who do you need to tell, I, I see in you a gift of compassion. I, I see in you an ability to listen to people and help them in their hard places in life. Or who do you need to say, I see in you a real creative flair that could be used in huge ways. Or I see in you an ability to do new things, to start new projects. I see in you an entrepreneurial spirit to launch a new business. I see in you an intellect that could be used to teach people. I see in you a passion for justice that could be used to fight systemic racism in Madison, in Wisconsin, and around the country. I see in you something you can't see in yourself. I know you think you're Simon, but I see Peter. You see, our role as followers of Jesus is not to be the hero. Jesus is the hero. Our role 
is to be a hero maker. And so will you see people differently? Will you pour into their lives, calling out the good, showing them something that they can't see of themselves yet? Because when you do that, the world actually changes.